Welcome back to another exciting episode of the North and Goal podcast. My name is Benji. You can find me on Twitter at Alaskutan. And I'm Jake. You can find me on Twitter at the Mighty Alaskan Ute. And uh, as you all know, I am the Ute Homer. Benji's the BYU Homer. And that's why, like that meme that's showing people arm wrestling on, on Twitter, you know, Utah, BYU, <laughs> arm wrestling. We're arm wrestling right. for a good cause, for the good of our podcast. I saw, I saw a really good one a couple weeks back that someone had put in four, like two more different arms coming in, and so it was like Utah, Utah State, BYU, and and Weber maybe. I can't remember who the – it was probably Weber State. But we were all united in hating Boise State. <laughs> we are ish. Ish. <laughs> we hate them ish. Depends on where they're playing. Yeah. Just kidding. No, nobody, right. nobody really likes Boise State from the, from the state of Utah, and that's fine. You shouldn't. You shouldn't have to. No. Yeah, I remember they came yeah. in last time we played them. Well, they they worked us over in the Vegas Bowl. We were up three zero, if my memory yeah. serves me correctly, and they scored like an eighty yard touchdown to go up seven three in the second quarter. And I remember thinking at, the, at that point, oh, it's over. And when when you go down four points in the first half and you think it's over, you know your offense sucks because I knew we couldn't move <laughs> the ball. I was like, oh, there's yeah. no way we can come back from this insurmountable four point deficit in the second quarter. And I was right; we didn't even score from that point. Yeah. On. That was the last time we played them. But every time we've played them, I got to be honest. Every time we played them has been when we haven't been that great, and they've been like really good. So we've never uh-huh. really had a decent matchup with them. They came in in 2006. Right. They, that was the year they broke. They busted the BCS. And uh, we we were kind of yeah. rebuilding, and we weren't that good that year. And anyway, forget Boise State. I hate them. Yeah. Glad they lost. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. We've only got one game to break down this week, and what a game that was. Yeah, I guess we'll just start with the Utes then. Is that what you want to do? Start with the Utes game. Yeah, I don't really have. A, I've got a few you know things I can talk about, but yeah, we don't have a game to to break down for okay. for my side. Noah, it was, if you recall last week, which I'm sure you do, I said, I'm not sure if uh, if Cal will cross the 50 against our offense, against our defense, yeah. and I want to shut him out. Dude, they crossed the 50 once, and it was their first drive, and they got to like the 49, and that was uh-huh. it. Other than that, every single freaking drive, we shut them down. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I've never seen a defense this just freaking filthy, man. They have NFLers yeah. all over the place. And, like, it's not only are they just, like, stopping teams, but they're just just breaking their will, you know? Sh- yeah. Ta- yeah. Sacking them on first down. A, lo- uh, a runner on second down, they lose three yards, and it's third and 17, and the quarterback has no choice but to scramble and throw it out of bounds. It's, like, just – it's a beautiful thing to watch. I was talking to my brothers, and I reference them a lot because that's who I share my season tickets with. But it's, like – you have teams out there that are killing people by scoring 50 points, but they're also giving up 38, 40 points, you know? Um, like Wazoo, right. for example, when they were really good last year, they would they just outscore people. And I, I, I know people like offense, but I don't like that. I don't like the fact that anybody could score. I like having a tough, tough as nails defense, you know? And that's what this Utah team is. They are a bunch of bad A's back there. And it's like, dude, there's, there's no weakness. Kyle Whittingham said himself on the defense – there's no freaking weakness. So it was it was a beautiful defensive clinic to watch. I it's also worth pointing out. I think if I'm not mistaken, there's been three times this season the opponent has had a backup quarterback or a true freshman quarterback who was not the starter at the beginning of the season, and they're kind of just getting their bearings against 
likely the toughest defense they'll face their whole career. I and and you can there's weight to it when I say that cuz I don't like Utah and I am thoroughly impressed with this defense. It's just they they it, here's the thing. Last time we recorded, we were talking about I said, "Hey, what are the odds that Morgan Scally ends up at BYU?" cuz that was the chatter when Kalani wasn't doing well and and his was a name where he could possibly, he fits the requirements, he's active LDS member of the church and everything. Uh Looking at it after the last few weeks that I've seen, what are the odds Morgan Scally ends up somewhere in the SEC? I mean, he's his name's going to be floating around a lot. Wow, that's 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 quite a statement. I I don't know about SEC. I I don't I don't think they're too keen on taking coordinators from other conferences that aren't the SEC. I mean, they take like Jeremy Pruitt's Tennessee's coach. He came. He was a coordinator at Alabama and Georgia. You know their coordinate their coach uh, Kirby Smart. He was a coordinator at Alabama, so they're they're okay there. I don't know how they'd feel about taking a coordinator from Utah, but dude, you're right. He's like he's dialed in, and I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. Co- Coach Whittingham said it a lot, but talent trumps everything. And right now, he's got the freaking talent to have an awesome defense at every position. For sure, they have awesome lockdown corners. Jalen Johnson is going to be a first two round pick. Javelin Gidry is only the fastest guy in America. Literally, he's a sprinter and he's the fastest guy in America. Um, Julian Blackman's played awesome at safety. His move to there has been awesome. Terrell Burgess, the other safety, is like the second highest rated player in the Pac-12 on on, on pro football focused defense. You have linebackers Francis Bernard and Devin Lloyd who both played exceptional. And then our D-line, as we've always talked about, is lights out. You have the Pac-12 sack leader and I. You have the six-foot freaking seven mountain man, Lecky Fotu. And then you have John Penasini, who's also one of the highest graded pro fo- football focused guys. It's just unreal. It's every position is stacked. And it's like, Dude, and, and, I mean, there, you look no further than what's happened the last four games, all right? You go against Wazoo, who averages 40 points a game. We hold them to one touchdown. Next game on the road, Oregon State, we, for all intents and purposes, shut them out. They scored a garbage-time touchdown in the last two minutes with the twos and threes in. So technically, the, off, the, the ones shut them out. Then the next game against Arizona State, they get three points, and only because they got a ball turned over in the red zone. In the last game, shut them out. Dude, they're, just, they're on a roll defensively and oh guess what what have I we've been saying for years if you could pair this Utah defense with a good offense what would it look like you know what the offense has acquitted themselves incredibly they look good and I'll tell you what it looks like it looks like you're a single digit ranked team in the country that's what it looks like boom baby I'm fired up they are awesome I love it it's it's like a dream fired up Dude, I am. You, I'm sure you were fired up, too. There's a play I want to point out. You talk about Lecky Fotu. He was the one. Every time I watch the Utah defense, there's a new guy that I think, wow, what about that guy? Lecky Fotu, uh, you think he goes in the top ten? I mean, he. I think he might in the, in the first round of the draft. I mean, there was a play that he blew up single-handedly where he got in the backfield, and the speed with which he pursued the quarterback just seemed unreal. Like a guy that massive shouldn't be able to move that quickly without rupturing like his Achilles tendons or something. Like he put the forces involved in that just defy logic. It was, it's almost like this podcast I was listening to about this uh, UFO that the it's the Joe Rogan podcast, which is slightly more popular than our podcast. But we're both podcasters, so he's like a yeah. colleague of ours in that sense. And he had this Air Force fighter pilot on, and they were watching this this aircraft. And their theory is this is cool stuff that the propulsion system used by what was described as this giant tic-tac was somehow honed into gravitational waves because it would like instantly just jut over and be somewhere else and then instantly go back and then suddenly like 
the way he was describing it to me, it seemed like it wasn't like just jumping, like disappearing and reappearing, but like moving way too quickly for an object in this, in like our laws of physics, it would suddenly be far, far away and they'd watch it just jump. And so I think somehow this technology, whether it's UFO, like other worldly or other countries, top secret, whatever, like Fotu has just a little bit of that. Like he moved way too fast for something that large. Dude, maybe he does. And side note, text me after the show the name of the podcast and the episode because I want to I want to listen to that. Anyway, but dude, the, the oh, we can shout him out. Maybe we'll shout him out and he'll shout us out. Yeah, it was, shout uh, him out quickly. If, yeah, yeah, just in YouTube because he puts all his podcasts on YouTube. We we're a little bit bigger than that. We don't rely on YouTube. We just put it out there audio only. But he'll yeah. uh, if you just go to YouTube and type in Joe Rogan UFO pilot. There's probably two or three, but there's one where they got this pilot on and um, he describes what he's seen. And this footage is out there. I've seen the footage a few times before listening to this. And uh, and man, it's cool stuff. So it's actually someone on Twitter that was pointing this out. I, I believe it was you are classless. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and a couple other people were jumping in on that thread. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll check it out. And, and I, we appreciate our colleague Joe Rogan pointing that out too. Yes. Um, as you said, we both are in the podcast world. We both know what the grind is like. So, uh, But that play you're <laughs> referencing with Leggy Foto, he was lined up in his, his normal tackle position, and he dropped back like he was dropping into coverage. He kind of dropped back and spying the quarterback, I think I could tell. I'm, you know there's a low football IQ mm-hmm. podcast, so you're not going to get the exact formations. But he was, <laughs> he was out there in the flat, and then he saw the quarterback rolling out, and he charged him like a freaking bull. And, dude, you're right. 6'7", 300-plus pounds shouldn't move like that. And he moved like a linebacker. And he went in, and he freaking knocked the, the quarterback on his backside and it was like it was impressive it was an impressive play to watch for a dude that big and I think you're right I think he'll be a first rounder I mean I, I don't know how highly uh they they value defensive tackles in the NFL I know there's been first round picks you know Aaron Donald Starlo Delaney went in the same draft they're both D tackles and so I know if they're good they'll be drafted first round so who knows I think he could go first round but he's not the only one I legitimately would not be surprised if we have seven or eight draft picks from this defense like they're just and I, you know, I was saying to my brothers again, I was saying, enjoy this and soak it in because it's not always going to be like this. We know just last year, two years ago, we went six and six and weren't that great. And so we got to just enjoy when this, I mean, it's so dominant. It's it's incredible. I So I've already kind of hinted at this. I would put Lakey Fotu as the, what I believe will be the highest drafted of this Utah defense. Would you agree? Or is there somebody you think, if you're an NFL defensive coordinator and, and the CEO brings you in and says, who are we going to draft? Or see, whatever the football CEO brings you in and says that. Uh, who are you going with? Who are you going to say the number one most valuable NFL guy that is currently on Utah's defense? Well, I would say it's either him. It's down to him or one other guy. It's either him or Jalen Johnson. And Jalen Johnson is a yeah, lockdown that- corner, and we know lockdown corners in the NFL make big money and are valuable. You know, the 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 two most important players on the defense, at least this is the adage I always heard, was a pa- a pass rushing cor- uh, DN that can get pressure and a lockdown corner. Um, and so Jalen Johnson's got all the measurables. He's tall. He's six three. He's athletic as is crap, super athletic, and he's locked in. He's just a different breed. He came to Utah. I mean, he literally had offers from anywhere in America. He had he took a trip to Oklahoma. They they, they this is not just like oh I got a letter from these people. They all wanted him because he was a superstar, four star cornerback, and he chose Utah. 
and he came in with a plan. He said he chose Utah. He wants to be here three years, graduate, and go to the NFL. And he's on a track to do exactly that because he knew the track record Utah could put DBs in the NFL. Um, and, and granted, mm-hmm. he could have done that at Oklahoma too, but he's got more competition there where there's you know six four-star cornerbacks coming in. He knew if he came to Utah, he could start his freshman year, which he did, and he could graduate in three years, which he, he's going to in January, graduate this year, and be ready to go to the pros. And he, he will go. And I think he either he... Or, or Lucky Fotu will go number one. I, I would put – you're probably right, though. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Fotu just because he's he's a rare breed, man. He's tall, but he's thick. And, dude, when I see him at the U-Walk, I mean, his calves literally look like like freaking trunks of a tree, just boom, boom, you know, mm-hmm. walking. He's just – he's a beast. So I would say probably yeah. – I would pick Jalen Johnson personally because I, I like – I don't know. I would pick him first, but it could be Fotu, no doubt. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it would be great to follow both our careers and, and – like I said, it's not going to shock me if there is all kinds of Utah players that find themselves in the league soon. Yep. But uh, so yeah, so yeah. it was it was a of course it was a a a banner defensive performance, but it's been that way for mm-hmm. four straight games now, and like it, it doesn't surprise me anymore. They just it's fun. They go out there, you you know they're going to get stops and they're going to pressure on the quarterback. It's fun. But one thing I've really loved too about this this run we've been on is I said it a minute ago. The offense also looks really good you know years past it was like an awesome defense with a, an offense they're like oh man let's get 17 20 points and mm-hmm. see if we can win this dude cal hadn't given up more than 24 points in i think it was 30 games i don't know i thought i think it was 30 games no, no way. wow but they, they hadn't given up that many at all and we put 28 in the first half on them and yeah. uh, with you know second half we sat Tyler Huntley completely. Um, the play the play I love the most. Well, there was a lot of them. There was a lot of plays. Um, but our first drive we I think it was actually our second drive. Our first drive went three and out. Our second drive we were backed up. They punted it down to the two yard line. We're backed up. It was third and long. And Tyler Huntley standing in the end zone delivered a, a strike to Brant Keithy over the middle. Um, and he got nailed as he got as he as he caught it in the back and he held onto it, which kind of ignited the drive. Um, and then there was a broken play where he fumbled the snap and rolled out and he found Zach Moss across mm-hmm. the middle, dumped it off to him, and he went 80 yards down to the five-yard line. So that was big. But my favorite mm-hmm. play of the game was the second touchdown. We're driving south. Um, it's third and one on the 40-yard line, and they do a play action to, to I think Brumfield was in at the time, and, Zach, and, and Huntley just lofts up this rainbow bomb, perfectly thrown, drops right in Thompson's hands in stride without breaking a, a stride at all. And it was like he extend. It was just like the most perfectly thrown pass I've seen Huntley throw. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was like a teardrop from heaven right into Thompson's hands. Touchdown, seven points. Boom! It was awesome. It was glorious. It was beautiful. I, that was my, my. I remember being shocked that he caught that, not because there was anything wrong with the play. Like you said, it was it unfolded perfectly. Typically, something like that where it's wide, wide, wide open. Quarterbacks at the collegiate level tend to underthrow, I think, because it's a little bit safer. They say, okay, there's no risk of an interception. I don't want to overthrow him and look like an idiot. So they pull back just a hair. And so seeing, watching, like, I mean, uh, was it Brian Thompson? Brian Thompson, it was like he had to turn on the Jets even more to get there. And so watching him kind of accelerate, it was almost like he went underneath that pass, like caught up to it, went underneath it. And so right before when the when he and the ball are both ten year ten yards 
before where they meet each other, uh, there's no way he's going to catch it. It's, yeah. it's just it's going to be just out of reach, just out of reach. And it wasn't. And the thing is, too, when you watch the way he caught it, he didn't secure it. He didn't get a hand underneath it. He caught that with both hands on each side of the football. And you think, man, it's like that. That's just risky. But he did Dude. it. He pulled it off. And I remember, I, I remember watching that. Be like, holy cow, he did it. That was crazy. Dude, yeah, my my point of view in the stadium. I'm on the 30 yard line on the northwest side, so I'm kind of you know kind of kitty corner angle and you're you're right when he uh-huh. when he threw it i stood up and it looked like it was way overthrown because it was so high yeah. he threw it rainbow and thompson was like you said sprinting full speed it wasn't like just like trotting to catch it he was sprinting full speed and at, about like you said about 10 yards to go i thought dude there's no way that's way overthrown and he just ran under just barely got his hands out and i went nuts it was awesome yeah beautiful <laughs> i used to play this game this is, this story is going to make it sound like i didn't have any friends growing up and and i kind of i mean i guess that's maybe true i grew up like outside of the city in the countryside so and now look at you I, 2000 I, friends on twitter 2000 that's right um no, I used to – so I'd, I'd get the football, and I'd make up this football game where it was me versus me, and and I we had this, like, rock wall in the backyard with some two staircases on each side. And and so I'd sit there at the one staircase and be like, all right, this is the end zone. I got four downs to get there. And so I'd sit there, and I'd launch it. I would just throw the football and then run as fast as I can underneath it. And so you got to get the angle just right to, like, to try to get it to where you can run full speed and, and arrive just as the ball's coming down. Did you do that too? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I never put like scores or anything, but I'd toss it to myself. Yeah, yeah. And, and so and maybe every twelve year old boy does this, or at least did this back in the nineties when football was all the rage. But but uh-huh. yeah, you become a master at like throwing it to yourself, running full speed and catching it. And that the way he caught it almost reminded me of that. You know, the ball's dude. coming down the angle, he's running full speed, and he gets there just right in time. You're right. You're right, dude. Me versus me. The you you can't lose that matchup. At least you know. That's right. Incredible defense. <laughs> yeah, incredible, dude. That's uh no. You're right. That was that was the days before. Now kids, they all have their stupid phones and they just show each other memes <laughs> when they hang out. When we were growing up, you went outside <laughs> and played, right. bro. You'd go dribble the basketball and play around, or you go toss the football or do something. Those are the days. Get off my lawn, yep. man. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah. Anyway, so wrap it up. Utes look good. Uh, setting up for next week, but we'll preview next week and after we after we talk BYU and talk about your bye week and, and preview going on in there. Hey, you remember last time we recorded and I said there was one more thing I want to say. What was it? And you and then you had some funny wisecrack and we never really got we derailed from there and just wrapped it up. I remembered what it was. Oh yeah. So what was it? the. Of the many changes that we talked about, we talked about the changes like Jeff Rimes going downstairs, Jeff Grimes uh, like taking over the offensive line, uh, defensive signals coming in from from uh, Sataki himself. So in addition to that, one of the players had mentioned that BYU had had a more physical practice in the week leading up to Boise State than they had had all year. And somebody then added a little more clarity to that and said BYU quite often in practices won't even tackle during the regular season, which I thought... We we'd had this conversation a long time ago about that slider. You know, if you imagine like the more physical you are, the the more prepared your players are, but there is also the higher risk of injuries in practice. So I get the impression, based on those little things that I've been hearing, that up to this point in the year, BYU had been too soft on themselves in practice, and that changed leading up to Boise State, and outcome was was different. And then one more thing I heard today from Sataki talking about what they did with their bye weeks, you know, two byes in October. And he said, 
It gave us time to take a step backwards and focus on the fundamentals. And I, I could have hugged him because that's exactly what I've been talking about with the little things and the discipline. I've wanted this program to take a step back and say, why aren't we tackling? Why are we being, you know, just a little bit short off the snap? And, and you know, there's just the little stupid pre-snap penalties and all these little things. And so the fact that they have been doing exactly what me with my low IQ feel like they should be doing, I think that's awesome because that also makes me feel like I maybe do know a thing or two about football. So I love that, um, and and I'm going to call this bye week a win. Yeah, dude. Well, if you lost this bye week, then you really have problems. So yes. that's good. It's not a loss for sure. Yeah. So no, no, at least at least going into the bye week, you had that win over a ranked team, so you could f- feel yeah. good about it. You know, if you'd gone, if you'd lost that, losing three in a row going into the bye week, it would have been, or would have been four in a row. It would have been four in a row, right? Because you lost to Washington, Toledo, USF, and three in a row, right? Yeah, yeah, so, that would have been four straight. Four straight, it would have been down. So, yeah, I'm glad you had that win to kind For of sure. relax going the bye week. So now, bum, 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 rivalry I just week. got to point out, too, this is – this is the great – it's the third rivalry week, and that's exactly what I was about to say. This is the coolest thing is to all those people – I've never heard this from a BYU fan. I've always heard this from somebody who is outside the program looking in saying, well, the worst thing about independence is as soon as you lose one game, what do you have left to play for? And, and it's always someone from the outside looking in saying, man, that would be terrible, that would be terrible. And, and I'll admit, I would love to be in a P5 conference. Everybody would love to be in a P5 conference. But I don't want to be playing for a Mountain West championship. Like, if you lose one game, be like, well, at least we still have that. What if we lose two or three games? Do we still get excited about that? So here's the thing. As a fan, it does not feel at all in any degree, in any way, shape, or form, like this team has nothing to play for right now at this point in the season. We've beaten two top 25 teams. San Diego State, I, I they're either in the top 25 or they're sniffing it, so we have a chance to play a third if they don't lose anymore. And then we've got Utah State, who's beat us the last two years. So, I mean, we've got a lot to play for. There's, there's two, thing, two games I have circled, this one upcoming where we've got a, a, a point to make. And then again, could you imagine winning? I mean, Utah, can you even imagine beating two top 25 teams, let alone having a chance to, to beat three? I Not can, many teams yeah. can do that. Dude, we do it every year. I'm just kidding. We haven't done it this year. We've only beat one one ranked team. But but it's been I, it's been awesome. Well, let, let me let me give is, you. There is a lot to play for. If you love this game, there is stuff to play for. And so this is a game where the fans, at least, are up for. And if these players are not up for it, then they do not deserve to be the players. So hold on. So two things. So one, you're playing Utah State. You pointed that out. Got that circled. You're playing San Diego State to end the season. You got that circled. And you're right. There's You couldn't do that in the Mountain West, so you're right. I'm glad <laughs> you guys are independent. Just kidding. I just had to get that shot. Okay, so let me didn't give you, you a double You just scheduled a home-and-home with Laramie, didn't you? Uh, we didn't just do it. We do have it on the schedule, though. Like this year. This year. It was, this when, Chris, year. It was, when, it was when Chris Hill was scheduling. No, the Chris Hill did it like three or four years <laughs> okay, ago. Okay. It's next year. But, hey, ever since our boy Harlan's cut, took over, we've scheduled two home-and-homes with SEC teams, um, Arkansas and Florida. So he's he's upping the schedule yeah. for sure. Dude, I'm not going to I'm not going to yeah. defend our our, our uh, out of conference schedule. It sucks. <laughs> it's it's a, I mean it's it's a blight around our neck every year. And when we're doing well, it's even more magnified because you have people like John Wilner of the sack of the uh San Jose Mercury News who covers the Pac-12 p- pointing it out like, "Oh, Utah would have a 
be in position for this, but look at their stupid strength. You know, so it's yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to defend yeah, it at all. Yeah. Especially, I mean, you start the year with three Division Two teams. It sucks. So, um, anyway, uh-huh. so just to give you a devil's advocate uh, to your point about conference. Yes, obviously, P five conference affiliation is the top priority. Is the goal right? For sure. And, and you yeah. say, yeah. You say you wouldn't. You wouldn't want to play in a Mountain West schedule. Um, no. Just for devil's advocate. It, dude, there. It's actually. I mean, watching conference races is actually really fun. Like saying, "Oh my gosh, okay, mm-hmm. we can watch Utah State versus Boise this weekend because it it directly impacts us because we need Boise to lose to Utah State or San Diego State and Colorado State. We gotta have hopefully Colorado State can upset San Diego State, and you're literally you're into that game because you need Team X to lose. So that's a dynamic I don't think you're really thinking about. That it makes it a lot more fun. Granted, it's a lot more fun when I'm watching like. Oregon versus USC because we need right. Oregon to beat USC. But the whole it is fun being a part of a conference. I'm not kidding. I'm not gonna lie to you. It, I, when we were in the Mountain West, it, I enjoyed watching TCU versus I don't know Wyoming because I needed Wyoming to beat TCU. Yeah, and and it was fun being a mountain in the Mountain West when you were there and when TCU was there because it was good. And it was fun. Boise State, they're kind of holding up there. And, like, they would be a fun one to be having that race against. And, yeah, Utah State and San Diego State have been good here and there a little bit. So it, it might be kind of fun. But the thing that this is the thing that kills me is it kind of pales in comparison. You'd said the key word in everything you said was watching. And these games are hard to watch. You got to go find them on Facebook half the time. Like it's <laughs> that's not the the championship I want. Like BYU could join any lower tier. They could join the Big Sky Conference and have a, a trophy to play for, and and they'd get it all the time. And we'd like look at all these Montana versus Idaho State games and be like, oh, I really am invested in the outcome of this. But we wouldn't really care. Is if it's not P five, I don't really care. Like we won. About half the Mountain West championships in the entire time of the Mountain West. Uh, it was kind of similar domination in the WAC. And then here's the other thing. We're playing some of the best teams regularly anyway. So the fact that we boy- beat Boise State, who's probably going to win the Mountain West championship, is kind of cool. But I'd rather go out and say, okay, how do we stack up against this team and this team and this team? How cool is it that we bet you- beat USC, who has a track to win the Pac-12 championship? I mean, that's awesome. They, 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 I mean, technically they do right now. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Dan, we need them to lose. Ah, don't even get me started. They should have freaking lost to Colorado. Did you watch that game? <laughs> freaking their last drive. Yes, I, I did. Fumbles I did. In. Just jump on the ball, Colorado. Jump on the freaking fumble and the game's over. But no, Colorado's got to screw everything up and let USC go down and score. Hey, but back to one point you made. Be careful about wishing to go to the big sky. You never know with Russ. Russ has been making chopping <laughs> things, man. He's been getting – he got rid of the high priest group. He's got rid of beehive laurels and Miami's. He got rid of young men's presences. You never know if the BYU football program is next. Yeah. Russ isn't messing around, man. This is this is a good bye week conversation because there's no game to break down. Uh, oh, What was his name? Uh, Peter Johnson, I think, was his name. Did you catch that last uh, last time? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints that has worldwide meetings. He spoke. Did you did you read up on his background? Yeah, dude. He's a, he's he's the first African American or uh, general authority to speak in conference. Right. That's what we're referring right yeah. to the same guy. Yeah. He yes. was He was awesome. How, how did he join the church? If you if you read up on him, uh, he was watching the Utes play in the Final Four. <laughs> and, <laughs> right, something with the I can't remember something with the Utes or something. I don't know. Why don't you refresh us? He well, he did. He was wearing red. That's a hint. He wore red, but the red had BYU written on it. He was a he was a seasider. He played basketball for BYU Hawaii, 
which is under the umbrella of the BYU Athletic program even though it's a little bit kind of a side umbrella but it's there and here's my thing even if you don't like let's say you absolutely hate BYU football and say no didn't no, they no ax not BYU at, didn't they ask the BYU uh Hawaii basketball team I don't think that exists anymore right I thought they I think they did that. I think they did I mean they got the guy oh. they needed and said all right mission accomplished <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no okay. The thing is, okay, even if you say BYU football is like, let's say it's a wash, that the uh, the bad reputation from punching people in the nuts is outweighing any of the good they do, whatever, they still, they generate enough revenue to be sending cross-country runners everywhere and women's soccer team everywhere and all these other things everywhere. They're getting their people out in the world and involved in these things, and that's very much a part of their mission. They want to get our people, and it's not that different from a, a friend of mine who was part of the, the men's choir and the ballroom dance team, and right before he went on his mission, he spent like six weeks dancing in China with the BYU ballroom dance team. And, and they value things like that, too. And that's where a lot of the money comes from, is BYU football is generating more than anything else there. So so am I literally, like legitimately worried that they're going to ax football? Not really. But then they, they don't ever – it's never logical anyway. So if it happens, you know, I'll, I'll accept it. It's fine. Well, let's – I mean, it, it – you know, it depends. We don't know how much money BYU football generates. We know it's millions and millions, obviously. Um, but if we if we had a better reference on the church financial situation, because maybe I mean maybe it's a huge money maker. But you know, the church has a lot of for profit businesses, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know where it sits compared to say something like that. Say they're you know the the mall downtown is for profit. Um, they have they have ranches and things like that, right? <laughs> Sorry, um, we can cut that part out. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. We we that's that's the lure of this show is we are amateurs, but we have such <laughs> professional content that it's amazing we can accomplish what we accomplish. <laughs> yeah. It's like back in the day. This happens to Joe Tiger Rogan Woods, all the time too. When, yeah, when Tiger Woods was winning professional tour after professional tour with his inferior Nike clubs. Remember that? It didn't matter the tools he had. It mattered the talent. <laughs> and that's what we got, right? We got the talent. It doesn't matter that we're filming in our closets, that's right. right? That's right. Anyway, I don't know where I was going. All right. I was well, just shaking your head. I was like, well, he must disagree with my point. <laughs> so. No, no, don't go there. Don't go there. No, no, no. That was off camera trying to communicate two people at the same time. That's all right. All right. So you were saying... Um, the church has businesses that generate revenue. Yep. Church yeah. has lots of, I mean, they have a lot of businesses that generate revenue. And then of course the donations, you know, that we don't, we just don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe the BYU, okay, let's just say that they bring in 90 million, which is, I think it's less than that. Cause there was a report how much they revenue. Let's just say mm-hmm. 90 million. Well, let's say the other church income is 200 or 10 billion. You know, yeah. ninety million is not really that big a deal when the when they generate ten billion dollars. But I don't know. I don't know how much they generate. I'm just kind of no, shooting but, from the hip here. But at the same time, I would look at of all the BYU programs. Like, let's say because ballroom dance is a great example because people don't get offended by ballroom dance. Typically, it's something where you can very much be an ambassador to other places where missionaries that are proselytizing can't get in the door. So something like that, uh, it's not going to out generate the football team like i i think it's safe to say no matter what the number is the football program is the highest revenue generating program they have which then for sure absolutely yeah yes 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 there's no doubt so anyway but you know like i say it's it's uh not always logical and and sometimes it's just oh surprise guess what this is the way it works now and and that's just how it goes that's right and and you never know i mean maybe it i I guess maybe we're it's getting too a little too religious for our non-religious listeners but maybe (laughs) 
Maybe it depends on your vo- point of view. If you feel like they're ins- they're, this is led and inspired by God, then it doesn't matter what he says because that's the way it's supposed to be. And who knows, right. you know? Right. So it, it, yeah. it could, but you're right. Logically, it probably it probably won't go anywhere. Thinking as, as, a, as an earthly citizen. Right. If I were putting on my manager hat and I were if I were making the decisions, but yeah, back to uh, I don't know anything so else. Now, now, now you got <laughs> now rivalry week is coming up. Let's preview, dude. Rivalry got, week number three. You've got BYU players out there mocking the agricultural college. You have the oh, that tweet. was out of context. That was taken the out of context. From- you got to clarify. <laughs> okay, you can clarify in a second. Let me throw out the incorrect all right, statements. all right. Then you have. The the B the Utah State lineman replying. Did you see his reply? No, he I said, did not. Because because Ganwalaku or whatever Ganwalaku, <laughs> yeah, your, yeah, your boy said something about um, you know, but I didn't. I don't even know what he said. What he say? Something about <laughs> the dairy cows or something. Anyway, the U <laughs> the Utah State lineman wrote back and he's like, "This is what he said." He's like, "Yeah, it's a good thing we have that bovine practice because it helped us last year when you're we kneeling down to run out and milk the clock." Like, it's on the battle oh, of the little man. brothers it is on man it is for the wagon wheel pride is on the line let's go <laughs> that is some good banter no the question i can't even remember what the question was but somebody asked him about what they expect what kind of thing and he said oh i saw on twitter one of them was saying like he was quoting either utah state fan or a Utah State player, or somebody. He wasn't the one who came up with those words. He was like, oh, yeah, I saw that they said they're going to be whatever. And then that gets attributed to him. But even if he did say it, like anyone who's offended by that or think that's like, like it's an agricultural college. Like when you drive there, you drive past their barns. Like they have huge, huge barns where they have cows. So like... That's not a huge stretch or insult. You got to yeah, take no, pride no. in that, man. Be an Aggie. Agreed. Agreed. It's uh and and honestly, that kind of crap lasts for the first play. At that point, it's yeah. it's execution, it's talent. It doesn't matter what people say. That stuff's overblown and stupid. But anyway, you got the big so, rivalry this week, man. So what are your so, thoughts going into going into so, Utah State week? You'd mentioned execution in town. The execution uh, I'm confident in because of those things I had, had mentioned, that they've been using their bye weeks wisely. They've been making adjustments to the play calling, to the coaching staff, and they've been focusing on fundamentals. And if he really means it, if they've really been focusing on the little things, I expect the good BYU to show up. Uh, the talent, I actually was curious about. There's a lot of times, like, I'll go delve into numbers to make a point, like, oh, I bet it says this, or I bet it says that. I, I really didn't know where we're at because a lot of, I read all over the map where BYU is talent wise with their recruiting class so i just looked at 247 sports and looked at the past so 2020 or 2019 18 and 17 numbers utah had finished in the 30s a couple times and in the 40s once byu was in the 60s once and the 70s twice utah state i believe was in the 90s once and then like the 100s and the 110s in those so just comparing those three years so i feel like the the talent gap that that we hear so much about that exists from Utah looking at BYU it exists just as much looking from BYU down to Utah State. So if you were to say, okay, the talent, we should win this. We we should go in there confidently and say, okay, we are better than them, so therefore we can beat them. That being said, I have no idea what's going to happen. BYU has lost to some terrible, terrible teams this year. Uh, they've lost in creative ways, and they've and they've beat some really good teams. So, 
anyone who tries to predict this game, I, I read uh, the beginning of the day today, Vegas opened uh, Utah State as like a 6.5 favorite, and then by the afternoon, evening, that had dropped and closed down to 3.5 points, and I think a lot of people are, I mean, that shows where the money is going. People think BYU is actually going to show up as the good BYU, and uh, so at least for now, that number is coming down, being a little more evenly matched. Gotcha. Yeah, and you know, we said it after your Boise State game, Anyone that can make any prediction on this team the rest of the year, there's no way. You're three yeah. and four with your three wins over USC, Tennessee, and Boise State, who was top 15, and then losses at Toledo and and, and USF. Um, there's just no way you can predict what's going to happen. And right. Um, you're right. If if they're able to kind of clean up, and you can clean up things during the season. I don't think I don't think I think you can improve. That you know you can life's about improving, so you can improve your team during the season. So if they figured out what's kind of been causing their issues uh, on some of these games they shouldn't they shouldn't have lost, and they're able to tweak those and fix it, then yeah, you can expect them to improve and be better. So this will be this will be a big. Um, I don't know if I should say measuring stick game or not because you're so it's so up and down. But if you do win this, then yeah, man, you've got you roll from that point because the next yeah. three are or nothing and then you end out with San Diego State. So this base this will guarantee a bowl game basically if you win this. Um mm-hmm. and then you'll get your schedule you'll your your record will be back to four and four. But like I like I said, dude, I don't I don't know how you can predict it because it could go either way. I could right. see I mean Utah State the last two years has won by I think forty points combined, yeah. right? Or, or yeah, it, it it's gotten ugly. It gets away from this team, and then and that's what I hate watching this BYU squad. And that's another evidence of a lack of discipline. We get a little bit of a, a deficit, dig ourselves a hole, and you can tell watching these players that they have quit and they've given up in the third quarter. And I just hate that. And so I mean, it, it nothing would surprise me. Utah State could well, win by twenty, thirty points again. They could win by three points, or BYU could do each of those. They could win by three or win by thirty. Yeah, I think I think personally for Sataki's sake, he has to win this because you don't want to go one and two versus your rivals, and right. you you've got to show that you're progressing. If you lose this, you haven't progressed at all, and it's another up and down. And he's in year four, and his record's five hundred, and so it's like, what are we even doing at this point? We're four years in. Isn't that enough of a sample? I mean, it wasn't like he was rebuilding a team that went three and seven. One and five, two. I mean, he's rebuilding. He took over teams that are winning eight, nine, ten games, you know. And he's four yeah. years in, and he's five hundred. So you, I think personally, this is a bigger game than people are thinking. I think you need oh, a win yeah. to show that you've improved. Because if you don't, it will show that you haven't after four years. So if I were a BYU fan, I'd be stressing that we gotta win this. We gotta win this. You got. You can't. I mean, if if you're try, if your goal is to keep up with your rivals, which it is, and it should be, it has to be. If that's your mm-hmm. goal. You can't lose to Utah State for a third straight. Year. Right. Well, I that's mean, what I in hate the day. Too. Let's be honest. They're still freaking Utah State. It's Utah yeah. State, man. It's Utah State. It's Utah State. They, you can, they, <laughs> they are who they are. They're just they they're they're up in freaking Logan and Barntown, like you said. So three years in a row to Utah State losing would be a bad look, right? Don't you think? It would. It would, and it killed me last year. Here's the thing. It's almost like losing to Utah, where. Like the Utah fans are like, oh man, could you imagine that would just be so painful? And it's like, no, no, no. All of us BYU fans know we're beyond feeling at this point. So what <laughs> killed me last year was pregame. It was like if uh, if BYU were to lose to Utah State, it would be the first time they've lost back to back since 1971 or who go way way back. I don't know how far we'd have to go back. Probably just a couple years before because BYU wasn't good in the 60s and 70s. But it's been forever since we've lost three in a row, and none of us have any interest in having that streak start up again. So, yeah, and and I think you're absolutely right. I think the coaching staff 
feel it. I think they know that they are still coaching for their jobs. And then tension eases off the next three weeks after that. But but that's the thing is that you can't win your job against Liberty or UMass, but you could certainly lose it against Liberty yeah. or UMass. Now, yeah. Utah State, you could win your job. You could keep your job. If you show up with a team prepared, they execute, and we just wipe them off the field and end up winning by 30, yeah, you can win your job by doing that. And then the one next opportunity you have, San Diego State, and then if we get a good bowl matchup, that's one more opportunity you have. So there are very few opportunities between now and the end of this season to say, this is why I'm worth it. So, you yeah, it, I, I do expect it. them to show up. Now, if because they, they, of the way – oh, go ahead. No, you're right. If they win, that makes them 4-4. Four and four. Guaranteed they win the next three. That puts them at 7-4. Sataka keeps his job at that point. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 give, you give him more time. But if they lose and they're 3-5, and five, then it doesn't matter what happens in the next three games because, like you said, people say, dude, we're 3-5. and five. We lost to Utah State three years in a row. doesn't matter we beat Liberty, uh, Idaho State, and I can't remember the other one, UMass, right? doesn't matter yeah, yeah, if we yeah. beat those if, if, if you lose this thing. So, yeah, dude, I think he is. I think, dude, it comes – I think it really comes down to this game maybe if he keeps his job or not. Yeah, no, and I I don't disagree. But the thing is, I think because you'd mentioned why like we should be nervous and we should be freaking out. I don't think very many of us are because we'll accept the fate whatever happens. You know, if he if he wins, awesome. He's the guy. Program's healthy and good shape, and we're gonna roll and we're gonna build on that next year. If he loses it, hey, it's clean house. Let's find someone else. Like like we've just accepted that. So I don't know. The vibe I'm getting from other fans isn't really super nervous or nerve-wracking because, like I say, this this season has had all the ups and downs before, and I think the scriptural phrase is we're beyond feeling. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And look at you accepting the Lord's will. That's what, you know, that's what we're taught. <laughs> Align our will with his, right? You accept whatever happens, yeah. happens, and you're not going to try and change it. Right? That's great. Good job. It's good not like we're playing a very, very talented coach who might take it upon himself as a challenge to see what he can do against the nation's top defense and stop their title run on their way to the Pac-12 title game. I mean, that kind of a situation would make me nervous. <laughs> yes. And, I mean, what a segue, huh? Because it just so happens that this weekend, our entire freaking season, I hate speaking at this this type of hyperbole, but dude, our entire season comes down to this. Not necessarily, yeah. obviously, making a bowl game because that's already happened, and, right. and having a good season that's already happened. But to have something special happen, which this team yeah. has lined up for, which we have pointed for for the last three years, when Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss is a senior, I used to say that all the time. When these two are seniors, look out. Well, they're seniors, and we've been rolling everybody, with the exception the one hiccup against USC. We've won every other game by 18 points or more, so we're not we're not having any nail biters. We're having dominating performances, right? And so it all culminates this weekend because you we go at Washington who's not the team they have been the last three or four years but they are still talented they still have the best coach in my opinion in this conference and one of the top five coaches in America they've had a bye week to prepare it's at Washington which is a, a really tough place to play you and I have both attended games there. It's gorgeous setting, cool place to go to a game, right? Mm, anyway, yeah. so it's it, it, it all comes down to this. It's on it's middle of the day on Fox. Everyone's watching. Utah's ranked number nine. There's a generating a little bit of buzz of hey, you got Utah in the south, Oregon in the north. They could meet at eleven and one, be top five, six teams. So they're starting to get some of that hype. And dude, I am nervous. I'm scared to death about this game. It's only a three point spread. It opened it. Hmm three and a half it's down to two and a half or three um we know that 
generally the saying is the home team gets three points. So, mm. I mean, technically then, that would, they initially thought we'd win by six, six or seven. But, mm. dude, you never know. When it's that close, it's a, the FPI, which we both love so much, has Washington favored. Right now, I think it's like 51 to 49% Washington. So they're expecting yeah. a close game, right? And and we haven't fared well against Washington. We're 1-13, I think, all-time versus Washington. Um, granted, a lot of those games are played in the 70s and 80s when they were a national power, and we sucked. So it's, it's mm-hmm. hard to really say. But since we've entered the league, we've lost five to them, I think. We're 1-5. And... Five. Um, and it's it's dude it's it's all it's on this weekend man if we can win this if we can win this then it sets up beautifully we just need usc to lose to either oregon that day or another team on the road like arizona state or cal and then we've got three games left against three of the worst teams in the league arizona ucla and colorado and two of the three are at home. We have a two-week we have a bye after this. If we win this, we'll go into our bye eight and one with like the South laid out before us and ranked in the top ten and just like grandeur, man, delusions of grandeur going through our head. Because there's there's people coming around now. There's national guys saying Pac 12's not out of this. They're not out of this playoffs. Oklahoma lost. You know, uh, Baylor's in Oklahoma still got to play. A bunch of the SEC teams still got to play each other. There is a chance, dude. Penn State and Ohio State got to play each other. There is a chance if twelve and one Utah meets twelve and one Oregon in the Pac-12 title game that the winner could slip into the playoffs. There's a chance. Yeah, it's not a huge chance. Would I bet on it at this point? No, but you never know. You never thought Oklahoma would go and get beat down by Kansas State. You didn't see that coming, right? So, right. I mean, there people are starting to make that 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 uh. That comparison, it's coming up. So, dude, this game is huge. Everything's riding on this thing, man. Everything's riding. I'm amped up. Let's go. My palms are sweaty. Knees weak. Arms are heavy. I can tell. If you can't hear it, in, I can hear it in your voice. Here's the thing. It's in so many ways as a fan of a team, it's easier to go in with little to no expectations and be pleasantly surprised. You're the opposite of that right now. Like, Like, I'm not saying you're expecting to make the playoffs, but like... It's the thing is if everything goes right, this could and here's the thing. I'll say from an outsider, is it likely that USC loses between now and the end of the regular season play? Yeah. I've I've watched a lot of USC games because I'm interested in them being our common opponent and seeing how they do, and they haven't looked dominant. So yes, it's likely, but it's not guaranteed. Is it likely that Utah wins out? Yes, because I've been watching them and I think they look unstoppable now here's what would make me nervous in your shoes is chris peterson himself and his brain that that guy is a competitor that i do think he could circle that game and say all right guys if we're gonna if we're gonna be able to beat the best this is the best and here's how we're gonna do it and he may look at the film over and over and over and over and see things that my brain doesn't see and say if there's a defense a weakness in utah's defense it's right here it's right there it's in this situation when this guy is doing whatever you know he's gonna spot things i don't see and and so if i'm detaching all emotion from it which is easier for me to do because i don't really really care i'm fascinated to see what happens like i think it's gonna be an interesting chess match and i want to see what kind of offense chris peterson comes up now i'll say this if chris peterson and his talent that he has on his field can't do it if they can't move the ball and get to the end zone i don't know if anyone can like if utah's beatable it's it's now you're right and and a couple things you brought up 
One, Witt actually mentioned that today in his press conference that Chris Peterson is the master of special plays, he called them. Special or trick plays. He is, dude. All the way back to when Boise State ran the Statue of Liberty and beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. It's just what he does. So you're right. He's had two weeks to study film, and I would not be surprised for him to come up with a couple strategic plays like that at times where they need it. Um, and, and like you said, it's it's different to go into a game where you don't have a ton of expectations and be pleasantly surprised. It's it, it's for us, like you said, it's the opposite because what is on the line is not only huge, but we have no room for error. We cannot lose, right? And so every play, every drive is hugely important because if we do lose, the dream of, of that ultimate goal is over, right? There's no way. It's over. So we have zero room for error, and what's on the line makes it so nerve-wracking and crazy. That's why I've been grateful that we've been blowing teams out because by the time we get to the fourth quarter, I don't have that stress. You know, it's mm. like, oh, this is fun. This is awesome. But you're right. The one thing I will say is Utah, the old adage is defense travels. You know, we're on the road, yeah. but we've got such a stellar defense that no matter what happens with our offense, it will keep us in this game. It will keep us in this game. And um, I've, I just, oh, dude, I just lost my train of thought. <clears throat> it just, it's just, it's nerve-wracking. It's exciting, but we've got such an awesome defense. I mean, you look at you look at the game against Washington State. I mentioned it before. They were averaging f- points in the 40s, and since then they've scored 30 plus on Oregon. Oregon this last weekend, who has a good D, they scored 60 against UCLA. They score, but we held them to one touchdown. Dude, we just are different this year on defense. We're special, and that's why I think my prediction is we go in there and we win by 10 points or more. We're going to double-digit win this thing. We're going to win 34-24, and it's going to be freaking amazing, and it's going to be incredible. That's what I expect to happen. But there's been times where I've expected that as well. You look at the USC game this year where we dropped the ball and lost. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I just we, We've always played Washington well. That's the thing. They've never destroyed us. Last year in the Pac-12 title game, one-game possession. Two, two years ago up in Washington, we took we were up by 10 with three minutes left and lost, which is crazy. Um, the year before against Washington, two top 15 teams. The year Washington went to the playoffs, it was tied with three minutes left, and they won on a punt, punt return. Um, the, year, the year before that, I think we won up there. Yeah, we did. The year before we won. So we always play Washington well, regardless of how good they are. So I expect no different. I expect us to play well. I expect us to win. I expect us to win, baby. That's what I expect. Nice, nice, nice. Yes, sir. Uh, who do you expect to be taking the final meaningful snaps of the game in the fourth quarter? Uh, a quarterback. Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley. He, he did. He shouldn't, be honest with you, I don't think he should have played this last game. He looked yeah. hobbled. Yeah. He looked hobbled. Um, anytime he was rolling out, was limping. He was limping back to the sidelines. Um, so hopefully he's got another week to heal up, but he's a warrior, dude. He will play, and it didn't affect his throwing. It affected his running. They didn't call it a running place for him. But, th- dude, he's he's just playing on another level. There's one play where it didn't even result in the touchdown. It was, I think, the last... The last drive he was in, um, it was about it was on about the twelve yard line. He dropped back, and a guy came run up right up the middle at him, and he didn't take his eyes off field. He just stepped right up in the pocket, kept his eyes downfield, delivered to Zach Moss uh, on kind of a swing, not a swing pass, but oh, like a an eight yard out in the corner, and it was a gain down to the one yard line. It was just like he avoided the pressure. He's playing like a senior quarterback, man, like a seasoned senior quarterback, and. We've said all along that he's good, but, dude, the stats back it up. He's not throwing for 350 yards a game, but he's super, super efficient. He's always making the right decision. He's got a 10-to-1 touchdown to interception ratio, which is amazing. And 
you look at like the QBR, the quarterback ratings that factor in efficiency, et cetera, et cetera. He's top five with all the big names. Justin Fields, Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, LSU, and Tyler Huntley. Like he's playing at an elite level at quarterback, mm-hmm. and I expect him to play. I expect him to play well. I don't think he'll run much, but I don't think I think Andy Ludwig can game plan around that like he did this last week and make us effective. And I expect Tyler Huntley to be taking that ball and kneeling with thirty I, I seconds worry- left. I worry though, because because a couple things. The Chris Peterson, I think he's seen that if Huntley's out there, we're coming after him, and and not with any malice or like we're going to injure him, but like he's not mobile. There was a, a play in the Cal game. In fact, I tweeted out, "You got to get Huntley out of there because uh, a guy got back behind the line of scrimmage, uh, someone in the backfield with him, and he didn't make the efforts to get away from him. He just kind of sidestepped just a little bit and took a tackle. I think he maybe even threw it and then got hit, but it was not the elusive quarterback. Meanwhile, yeah. uh, third or fourth quarter. Jason Shelley throws this amazing block 30 yards downfield for Zach Moss. And you think, man, that's the quarterback out there, lead blocking, way, way downfield. And if Tyler Huntley's not able to do that, that kind of limits you. So I think it's worth looking at. Now, I mean, uh, trust Witt's judgment that whichever quarterback gives him the best chance to win, but I don't know if that's an absolute set in stone Tyler Huntley's the man at this point. I think it is. I I, I think – I think he's just he's making the right decisions regardless of his mobility. Ludwig will game plan around it where he won't have him be mobile. He'll bring in Jason Shelley. And, dude, Ludwig is the type of guy that when he calls a play, it's setting up a play for like five weeks later. I think right. you will see this week Jason Shelley. This is, this is just my assumption. I think you'll see him in to run a lot of plays and then third, third or fourth quarter. They'll do the same thing, end around, all of a sudden, boom, we'll step back, wide open receiver downfield, touchdown. I'm calling it right now. That's the, all right. We used to do oddly specific predictions of the game. Yeah, yeah, we this. did. Remember? We did. I, I, that's my oddly specific. Jason Shelley in the third quarter will be in to run the ball. He'll fake the handoff to the end around to uh, Jalen Dixon, and then everyone will crash. He'll step back, wide open receiver, down the field, touchdown, Utah. That's my prediction. I can't wait. I am nice. so amped up right now. I can't handle it. Yeah, man, that's awesome. We've also got a game of interest, USC and Oregon, which I think is going to be close. Uh, having watched a little bit of Oregon and a lot of USC, I think it'll be close. I don't think – and I'll be honest, neither of them strike me as the uh, the quality of team that Utah is. Like I think they're kind of evenly matched at that level just a little bit below Utah in the Pac-12. I really think Utah's the best team in the Pac-12. But it's it's a game of – chaos and unpredictability and you never know what's going to happen so i i'd say that one's a toss-up i don't know who's going to win that one no you're right especially usc at home is better than usc on the road they just are i mean look look at usc last week they went to colorado and all seriously all intents and purposes they should have lost that game colorado had a couple stupid errors on defense where they didn't pick off a throw right to them or pick up the fumble and they would have lost that game and so Mm -hmm. usc should blow out colorado they just should and they didn't they don't play the same on the road but at home in the coliseum where they're comfortable where it's warm where they got their fans i think you're right i think they're a better team there and i mean they're still they're still usc they still have all the talent in the world like we talked about months you know weeks ago and so i think they get up for oregon because it's a big game for both I think you're right. I think it's going to be a really close game. I don't think you Oregon goes in there and blows them out by any stretch of the imagination. I don't. Mm-hmm. And, and I, yeah. you know, I wouldn't surprise me if Oregon lost. Um, but then also, it, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me either if USC won and then lost the next week at Arizona State, right? Because yeah. that's what they do. So yeah, they're they're not going to win out. There's they'll lose one along the way somewhere. I don't know if it's going to be this week. If I were to flip a coin, gun to my head, I'd say yes, Oregon wins this weekend. But it, I. I 
I don't think it's a given by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, after watching uh, Oregon struggle with Washington State, you think, well, can you count on Oregon to beat USC? No, you can't because they struggled with Washington State. So, anyway, yeah, yeah, a lot of interesting matchups. Man, it'd be nice to be in a conference. (laughs) Wait, say that again? I didn't hear that. I didn't say that one more time. To say it a little slower (laughs) and a little louder. It'd be nice. I would love for BYU to be in um, the Big 12 and then possibly one day, eventually, maybe the AAC because they – are looking better and better. I I have zero interest in the Mountain West because we, we could you imagine right now if we're like I don't know San Diego State's going to be playing at Fresno this week. I mean that's the thing I don't even know what who the matchups are in there because I just really don't care. And so that yeah, that's bl- the I just don't want to get back into that world. We've been there and we did great. I don't blame you. You're right. I don't yeah. blame you. It's hard. It's hard to go back. It's like it's like you don't. It's like I mean the best way to think about it is like you graduate high school and you don't want to go back to high school. You <laughs> exactly. Know? You you just you 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 have nightmares of waking up in science class. Um, <laughs> but I think there's an element to it too, whether you admit it or not. Going back to the Mountain West essentially is admitting defeat to Utah. Because oh, you, I will admit you can, that. Yes. You can spin it. You can say, look at attendant uh, independence. We play all these games. We couldn't play in the Mountain West. We have our own TV contract. You can do that. But going back to the Mountain West, there's zero spin at that point. Zero. Yeah. You cannot yeah. spin that that you're equal to Utah anymore. You just can't. And so you're right. It would be better if you're going to do it to go to the AAC. And you know what? Dude, it's not a bad conference. Like no. I, I, you, have, you have good teams that are highly ranked in there. I mean, is SMU in the AAC? Yeah. Yeah. The, okay, uh, so dude, you, the, are the – I think they are. I want to say yeah. It's changed so much. I don't. I don't know. But they're they're undefeated eight zero. I mean, you had Houston a couple years ago. You had UCF. Yeah. There's always great a great team or two. Memphis, dude. You got two. Mm-hmm. If I recall correctly, I, I don't know where you spin off or spinning <laughs> off our, our hips. But I think you have uh, two top fifteen teams playing this weekend in the AAC. Let's just check yeah. it. I'm, yeah, I'm all right. You'll fact and, uh, check really quick. I'll talk about other reasons I would love the AAC. The uh, the geographical footprint, which has been a point of emphasis in Independence, is we want to play everywhere. We want to go because BYU's fans aren't in Utah. BYU's, I mean, they are there too, but they're also everywhere. Like every regional game we have in each corner of the country, that's a draw for people that haven't been able to attend a game in three or four years. And so, getting us in this kind of big geographical conference and then schedule the non conferences on the the other corners of the country. That, that's a great thing. So I, I think that checks those boxes, gets us new opponents, new rivalries. I mean, it everything Independence gives us, I, I it's a little bit of a step down in that one, whereas the Mountain West would be a huge step down. I just There's nothing to gain there. Dude, there's there's three ranked teams in the AAC right now. You've got Cincinnati, who's 17 and 6-1. and one. You've got Memphis, who's 24 at 7-1, and one, and they're playing at number 15, SMU, who's 8-0. And, oh. and this doesn't even include UCF, who's been – the last two years was undefeated, so dude, right. it's it's a it's a step up from the Mountain West for sure. I good, think. good so on I can, them. I can see that happen. A few years ago, I did an analysis on the different conferences and where they rank because everyone likes to argue this, and I I looked into all these numbers, S and P and Sagarin and everything and combined because I was still in my head thinking, well, what if BYU created a conference, which is not 
an unprecedented move. BYU created the Mountain West Conference. Now, not single-handedly. They got together with Utah and a couple others, but they were the masterminds behind making the Mountain West Conference. So what if they could do this again in an era where it's not geography that matters, but there's other things that have taken prominence over geographical concerns? And so I thought, all right, everyone who's not in a P5, let's take the best 10 and let's see how they stack up. And it was kind of just grabbing from the Mountain West and from the AAC and seeing where we'd all match up. And that's the thing I learned there is the problem with the AAC is it's the same thing you'd mentioned with Pac-12 needs USC to be good and Washington to be good so that they have weight on the national scale. The AAC doesn't, well, traditionally they don't have the year-in, year-out contenders that people talk about, but they they also got no one dragging them down. You know, for a long time it was their numbers were just right there neck and neck slightly below the P5s. But it was because everybody was pretty good. Nobody was great, but nobody was sucking like Kansas or like Purdue or like uh, Oregon State. I mean, each of these P5 conferences has someone or two or three teams dragging them down. AEC had nothing. They were all pretty good. Yeah, and dude, okay, let's hypothetically, if you could add BYU, Boise, and San Diego from the Mountain West, those are three uh-huh. good schools, add them to – I mean, you have Cincinnati 17, SMU 15, Memphis 24, UCF, who's usually ranked. You have Houston, who's had recently, you know, national spotlight. Um, you got Navy, who's been a very good team. That's not, dude, that's not a bad alternative, honestly. Yeah. In fact, if yeah, I'm in I, your shoes now, I'm, I'm thinking about that as the way to go at this point, personally. I I would welcome it in a heartbeat, provided that they take a really close look at who could be good consistently. Because you don't just want the flavor of the week who's hot right now. But if people, if you look at like a 10-year average and, and other, I'm sure there's advanced metric predictors of future success out there. But yeah, let's get together and make one. Now, here's the thing that I, if this were to happen, it would be fun for us. And the P5 would not give us the respect they that they would warrant anyway, because there's just too much politics in this sport. And I hate that. I hate it. It's money. It's Dude, power. It's, it's politics. It's all about the money, bro. Just like it says, the root of evil. Love of money is the root of all evil. You follow yeah. the money in everything. Everything you follow it. That's why they don't expand because nobody wants to share the money. That's right. it. That's the number. That's the only reason. Anyway, not to get too carried away, but I uh, yeah, you never know. That could be a good option. Yeah. All right, bro, we're, we're coming up on an hour. People are either yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. loving this or they've tuned out. So Yeah, <laughs> we should like we should share embarrassing stories or something just as a reward for people who've made <laughs> yeah. it this long. All yeah. right, here's a good, here's a good code. story. Yeah, discount code. Okay. Discount code. So if you've made it this long, go into your local Soda Flow. There's one in North Soda Salt Lake. Soda Flow. Yep, there's our theme song. Go into your local Soda Flow. Tell them North and Goal. That's all you got to say, and I will, I'll make sure that you get a free drink. 100% nice. Free, baby. Nice. There's your, there's your reward for listening. Go into Soda Flow, it. say discount code North and Goal, and your drink is on me. <laughs> so my wife comes in the room last night, and not my bedroom, just the room where like all the kids were hanging out. And she's something in the room. She's like, ah, it smells like poo poo. And then she goes, but not the BYU poo poo, like real poo poo. <laughs> and all three of my kids, my older kids that can talk, looked at her and said, BYU poo poo. And, and they'd never heard that because we've protected our children from things like that. We ha- They don't know the story. So we had oh. to tell them the story. They were like, why'd you say BYU's poo poo? And so so she's <laughs> we're explaining that to them. Said, yeah, after the rivalry game, the quarterback from Utah, they asked him what he thought about BYU, and he said that they were poo poo. And my 10 year old, he makes his face look all funny. He goes, that doesn't seem like a grown up thing to say. <laughs> we just started laughing. We're like, exactly. My 10-year-old identified that. Like, why is Aren't, an adult saying that? 
Aren't you glad he he censored it though? Saying that man, they bleep. He's like, man, they so poo poo. <laughs> yeah, it, but that's the thing that gave it staying power. That's not going away. It's just like safety right. first. It's going to be here four years longer than it should be. <laughs> Dude, that's this rivalry for you. Well, yeah. all right. Best of luck to your uh, to your Aggies in the battle of the little brothers. <laughs> and uh, just and likewise and, with your like I don't know whatever stupid. <laughs> I got nothing. It's late. We're, we're, we yeah. normally record in the morning. This is, this is bedtime. We do. We're not mentally sharp. All right. We'll sign off until next <laughs> week. Until then, go Utes. Go Cougs. <laughs>